Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ray, and welcome to the RayWentworth.com podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. And here are your hosts, Drew and Janie. Thanks, Ray. This is the Ray Wendelik Podcast. Welcome to episode 13 for season seven. It's our last episode for this season. Yay! And of course, episode 13, season seven in base nine is pointless and nobody really cares. <laughs> but today's also Pi Day. It is Pi Day. Yeah. It is Tuesday, March 14th that this episode was recorded on. I am, once more around the playground, Drew Freeman, here with my hunger-inducing Twitter-endowed co-host, Janie Clayton. Hello. So today's episode, we're going to change things up. We welcome back Louis de la Rosa from Capital One and... And we welcome to the show, Raiseware's own Joe Howard. Hey, how you doing? Rudy's going to be talking to us about what it's like to be managing large-scale teams of mobile developers and working in a large environment with lots of developers. Later on, Joe is going to be giving us our first look into the Android Avalanche. Guys, thanks for joining us. It's good to see you. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, happy Pi Day. Happy Pi Day. Did you guys have Pi today? I had a pizza pie. Does that count? Works for me. It's it, it's a circle and you can do math on it. Tangent, tangent, cosine, sine, 3.14159. <laughs> no, my son was actually, my son who is actually now learning areas and circumference and all of that was assigned Pikus today. Not haikus. <laughs> the haikus were three syllable, one syllable, four syllables. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, and it was just like, oh, that's adorable. And then he looked up pi online and he's like, wow, I found one page with 10,000 numbers. It's 3.14. And I looked at him after 30 seconds. Stop. Please, for the love of <laughs> stop. <laughs> it's our last episode. So I guess we've got to actually get into things. And we're going to start over with Louis. Like I said, it's great to have you back. Louis. Capital One, that's that's not exactly a small company. Can you give me a, a ballpark on just the number of people that work for Capital One? Besides Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. We got we got quite quite a few people. Um, you know, the, the overall company is about forty thousand something people. Right? <laughs> Jeez. Um in terms of uh, our mobile apps, we've got basically dozens of developers. And uh, yeah, I was talking with Ray and he thought it might be interesting to talk about uh, what it's like to, you know, work with all those folks and, and coordinate them. How do you keep all of those people busy? Like how mm. many, like I, when I, when I think of simply like, like a, a bank, like I have a, a credit union that I use where they have a single application and it's a relatively like straightforward thing. I know you're a fairly large company. Do you have multiple applications? Do you have people on a lot of different projects? You know, we have one uh, main app, right? But that app lets you do lots of different things. So if you have credit cards with us you can see you know all your transactions there if you have bank accounts you can you know transfer your money you can deposit checks in it if you got an auto loan which I think drew might have yes uh, you can you can check your uh, balance yeah, right right <laughs> and then so we basically break up the um, you know instead of like having one big humongous team we have uh, smaller teams right kind of like uh, two pizza teams of like you know four to six developers and they each work on part of the app and they make sure that that part is you know just the best that it can be and then there's some other developers that work on infrastructure stuff. So if uh, in terms of picking like dates, for example, right, there's like a custom calendar component that we built. And so it's used across the app. And so it's consistent. We're not each building our own like little calendar, but it has stuff like when um, payments are due or like if you're sending a transfer, when it's going to get received. Um, so there's people like that. There's also people working on um, services that we call. And then there's people working on things like Fastlane to make sure that stuff, stuff gets deployed up easily. Are you basically looking at it as so if the application has these three purposes on it they're different modules and the team basically works on their own modules separately yeah so there's a uh, different uh 
yeah, basically different modules that people work on. Um, so, for example, one of the things I worked on was uh, the ATM and branch finder. So um, I took my team and basically kind of built that out. So, you know, uh, no matter where you're at, you can just find your like local ATMs, your local bank branches and, you know, access your money. How many people tend to be on a team? Like, are they large teams or are they like a couple of people? Like how many, like what, what's an ideal size for a, a modular team within a larger team? Right, right. Yeah, we call it a two pizza team. So it's basically like four to six developers. Um, we actually have uh, a Scrum Master uh, for every two teams. So they kind of help with the coordination. Oh, agile. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah, you say Scrum Master and somebody's going, uh-huh, it's agile. Yep. Yep, yep. And we use this thing called um, the Scaled Agile Framework, also known as SAFE. But um, yeah, so uh, those engineers, Scrum Master, we have a product owner that helps kind of decide priority, and then uh, designers to you know make sure that everything looks good. How difficult is it to silo like all of these different functionalities from within like all of your, your modular systems? I'm just curious because like I've worked on teams where people are kind of supposed to work on their own little thing, but they kind of always like like looking over what somebody else is doing, and they're kind of like, hey, you know what? Like like you know, I think this guy could be doing something a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so one of the things we use is GitHub Enterprise. Uh, and uh, we basically encourage people to comment on other people's pull requests. So even if you're working on another thing, um, we want to leverage, you know, everyone's expertise. So some people might be, you know, experts on storyboards. Uh, well, actually, I guess those are kind of hard to review. But, you know, <laughs> let's say you're, you're experts in certain things, right? Um, you feel free to, to comment on it. You know, it's funny. When, when we first started doing Swift, I got a lot of, hey, you, you keep putting in semicolons. And I think, you know, you don't realize we don't, you know, we, we don't need them anymore. <laughs> but um, no, nowadays we have Swift Lint, so we don't get those as much. But um, we do have the uh, kind of separation into different modules. But we also encourage people to look at each other's code just to make sure it's all good. It's so hard to go through somebody's code and go, oh, no, no, you're adding semicolons. You don't need to do that. As opposed to then when you have to go back to Objective-C and the compiler says, where's the semicolons, idiot? <laughs> right. And are the teams uh, broken up by, by platform? Do you have uh, separate iOS and Android teams for something like store locator or for, for different modules? Yeah, yeah, actually we do. You know, we found that basically like specializing per platform like makes the best experiences uh, for our customers. So yeah, we have um, kind of separate Android and iOS teams. Um, obviously they talk to each other so that, um, you know, it's pretty similar. Um, most most customers don't have both, right? I carry both just to make sure that uh, everything is good on, on both platforms. But, you know, we do try to make them as similar as possible, but then also adapt them to, you know, uh, you know, for example, on iOS, we support Touch ID and Face ID, right? And then, you know, uh, we, we support, um, you know, the different logins on, on Samsung and other Android devices. Now, I, I've always referred to this as, as the Photoshop idea, which is, you know, when you have a, a major thing that has to be on multiple platforms, you, you get to that point where you design-wise, it has to feel like it's the same product on the different platforms, mm -hmm. but it still has to embrace the platform. Yep. So the iOS version feels like an iOS app and the Android version feels like an Android app, but they both feel like, in your case, the capital one app. And I think it was one thing that Photoshop was one of the first people to do that with Photoshop on Windows and the Mac to, to say, look, there, there's our paradigm, but it still feels like an app that you want to use on your system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, you know, example on iOS, we have like a today widget, right? Mm -hmm. So you can just quickly look at your balances. We support, um, you know, 3D touch. So, you know, you, you can quickly look at stuff there. Um, we also got to have, have an Apple Watch app. You know, we try to support that ecosystem really well and make it feel at home. See, I'm getting the inside track here because I'm like, hey, I can check 
my loan on my watch. Yeah. So when you mentioned that you you were um, managing more than like five different developers, like I'm just to me, it's like like I have this mental image of like herding cats or like nudist <laughs> on the late shift because like anytime I've worked on a team of more than like two or three developers, even like like even like one developer, like people's egos get in the way. People are like get very you know like dogmatic about like you know spaces versus tabs, and like I, I can imagine it'd be difficult to take like that many different people and try to kind of coordinate them in a nice choreographed little dance of making sure everybody actually stays productive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it can be. Um, you know, I mean, I think that there's times where we discuss, you know, like, hey, what, uh, you know, when we first forming up teams, yeah, for, for example, yeah, spaces and tabs, you know, like, what what do we want to do? You know, like, what uh, what Swiftlint rules do we want, right? But then at some point, we have to agree. And then from there, we just kind of follow that. That's the best thing. Like, when you have a big team, or actually, you know, we have several teams, right? Um, if you're all following that same standard, no matter what it is, you know, after you arrive on that, then it makes it easier to maintain. Instead of, you know, one files this way, one files that way, they're all standardized, which is good. As much as I love Agile, and I even use the concept of sprints and scrum when I'm working on a solo mm-hmm. project, but Agile really does come to life when you're dealing with, as, as I love the term, a two-pizza team, because mm-hmm. once you start doing sprint planning and you can basically say, okay, here are the things that we're moving from the backlog, you know, from the, the list of, of we're not working on them now to that we're going to work on them this time. And then you can actually, as a group, say, I think it'll take this long. I think it'll take yep. that long. Who wants to work on this if it's that open a team? It really does make that divvying of what's going on. And the other nice thing with Agile is that you work on your piece and it's off on the side because you always should have a shippable product. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And then uh, we, we kind of take that and we like scale it up a little bit more, right? So then mm-hmm. we have like kind of a, a combined planning with multiple teams. Mm-hmm. And then if 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 uh, like my iOS team and Android team need need a service, right? Then they'll say, okay, at the end of this sprint, we kind of need this uh, service to be delivered. And then we're going to consume it in the next sprint. We call that uh, PI planning or, or it's like program increment planning, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's that planning for the two teams or, or multiple teams, right? And then on a daily basis, we have a, a, like a scrum of scrums mm-hmm. or we call it an S2. Wasn't that a show by Sid Caesar, you know, the scrum of scrums. Show of shows. Good reference. <laughs> well, I had, to, I had to top the Buckaroo Banzai one. <laughs> the show ha- does have the best references. Okay, so I want to go large scale, but I also want to go small scale. Mm-hmm. The, the large scale question is, so you've got all your mobile developers, and that is your Android developers as well as your iOS developers. You're talking about the resource requests. Yep. From companies that I've dealt with as a mobile developer, every now and then there, there's you're all clients of stuff on the server, and the server has your business logic mm-hmm. and your models and all of that stuff. And usually it's not just... Android or iOS, but you may have a desktop app and you may have a web app. Yep. How do you coordinate the clients of the server so that the server team doesn't change something and then it crashes for this team and then later this team? Because how do you coordinate those types of issues? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's where, you know, semantic versioning comes into play. So within within any specific version, you say, okay, this is the API contract and we're not going to break it. Um, if you do need to change it, then you, then you rev an AP, you know the API version and you deploy that and then that way the clients can you know kind of gracefully upgrade to the the newer better one but uh, existing clients you know don't get broken do you have a, a way of basically telling your mobile users they need to update or do you basically support it for a certain amount of time yeah we, we try to support it um, basically uh, well in terms of the OS version we try to support you know like at least um, you know two uh, two OS is back mm-hmm. right um, you know a lot of developers Developers might say like, 
just support the latest version. And, you know, iOS users are actually pretty good about upgrading. I was about to say with iOS, you can say two versions. I know in the Android world, you, you don't say two versions. Yeah, yeah. It's a little trickier. We, you know, we, we kind of look at all of our uh, user statistics and try to figure out, you know, what's what's a good uh, breakpoint there. But then, uh, yeah, we, you know, every once in a while we do, you know, if there's a critical upgrade, we'll say, you know, we're, we're asking you to upgrade to the latest. And then we make sure that um, when, when you do upgrade, we test that because that's like kind of a pet peeve of mine when you upgrade and then stuff gets lost. Mm-hmm. I hate that. So I, I never want our users to, to see that. There, there are certain fields. This is this is critical app. This is banking. This is mm-hmm. money. So if you make an error with something, I'm guessing on the mobile level or the web level, this, this could be disastrous. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So yeah, we definitely have some, uh, like a few more checks and balances in the average company uh, on, on things. For example, like we can't uh, like deploy stuff to production. Like we have ops people and, and and quality people making sure that everything is signed off on first. And that, that helps. We also have people checking on things like uh, security and accessibility to make sure that uh, everything is compliant and and uh, and good for our users. So on, the, on that note of, of, you know, getting things right, what what kinds of testing strategies do you have and, and how do the two pizza teams run run tests and how does it propagate out to the, the larger team? You know, our normal unit tests, right? And then we uh, also have automated tests both in, well, it depends on which platform, right? So on, on iOS, we have uh, some in KIF when we really need to reach inside and change stuff. Otherwise, we run uh, uh, UI automation. Um, on the Android side, we run Espresso. And then on the web side, we do uh, Protractor. So then we run those with you know each pull request that kind of reports out. Okay, this is the code coverage that came out, and then from there we kind of know. Okay, are we good, or do we need to kind of improve that? On top of that, then we also do um, some manual testing because there's some things that are just really hard to automate. We actually come up with some interesting solutions with like some IoT stuff, but uh, you know stuff like taking pictures of of stuff and and sending that up is kind of uh, hard. But we're working on that stuff. But we we do have like another level of uh, manual regression, and then we also kind of ask the teams to you know every so often, hey, let's all kind of dog food the app. Let's make sure that we're using it and then we're, we encourage people to report stuff when we find it. Do any of the teams do uh, test-driven development or? Yeah, I mean, um, I kind of came up from that, like that. I used to do Ruby on Rails. So if you weren't doing TDD, you were doing it wrong. We're a little less dogmatic, I guess. We want you to have tests if you write tests afterwards or before. Um, that's fine. But as you know, as long as you get it in by, you know, by the time you send up your pull request, you're good. Joe, you'll be able to, to sort of back me on this one. I'm saying I want to go small as well. We all know that with Git, and this is, is something that always frustrates me, and I always bring this up, with Git or any kind of source code control that's great for plists. It's great for code. Mm-hmm. And then you get into things like the Xcode project or the storyboard mm-hmm. or the or zibs or the like. And I'm assuming in the Android world, there are those generated resources that are not diffable. How, how do you divvy up that work so that two people aren't colliding because with more people, there are definitely people who, I mean, the Xcode project is the best example to me because you add a file in and you've changed a very complicated, not really human readable file. It, it can be, and some of us do, but, but how do you deal with that? Before coming here, I, I worked at a small company and also had my own uh, company too. Yeah, back then we could have everything all in one project. You could even, even have everything in one storyboard if you really wanted to, right? And I've seen projects like that. If you want to live dangerously. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, up to a certain size, right? But yeah, that's definitely something that you can't do at a 
you know, at a bigger company or, or even once you get beyond a few developers, uh, just having one big storyboard. So what we do is basically chop it down so each storyboard is as granular as possible. And that way that prevents a lot of the, the conflicts. Two people can, can be working on different things that are similar, but just not directly overlapping. So that's one thing. XCraft Project is definitely... Something that's harder, you know, we basically rely on uh, on tech leads to help diff those. Mm-hmm. But basically, you know, each team has their own fork of everything. They do a lot of work there. You know, as soon as something is good, we, we pull it up to the main repository. If, if you make the diff small enough, it's, it's good. But um, that's definitely something that would be nice to be improved in Xcode. We've talked about, you know, the different developers and the different sub teams and and the modularization. Can you give me an idea where you fit on the food chain? (laughs) Okay. Um, Actually, when I first started, I was a regular developer. Uh, sometimes you call them individual contributors, and I was, you know, built, you know, just just used to building iOS and Android apps because that's what I was doing before at uh, at Savvy Apps, which I think is actually also an RW DevCon sponsor. I I then became a tech lead, basically kind of watching over a, a team of developers, making sure all of our stuff was good, reviewing everybody's uh, PRs, and then now I lead uh, several teams, and uh, so now I'm overseeing, you know, some Android projects, iOS. Uh, web and just making sure that you know I'm helping to unblock anything that they're blocked on um, you know just trying to make sure we have a good developer culture so we make sure that we have good uh, demos uh, at each like at end of each sprint um, you know we're automating as much stuff as possible that kind of thing and just kind of painting a good optimistic vision for the future so you said that you've worked at like like very small and now very large companies like mm-hmm. like kind of like what's what are some some pros and cons about like 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 both like what what did you what do you miss about working at a, a small company and what do you really like about the resources of having a big company when it's a small company or when it's just you it's it's nice because you can just control everything everything is just you know however you want it then again the downside is you have to do everything so if you have to write the back end you're probably going to use um, you know something like uh, Firebase, or I used to use Parse to make sure it's you know it's deployable easily. But then you're also responsible for the production support of that thing, and then you're responsible for signing your app. If you have your own business, you're responsible for getting the money from your clients. And, and like the the thing about working at a big company is that you can kind of specialize more, and you can wear just one or two hats instead of a dozen hats. It, it's nice because then you, you have more of a I guess a work life balance. So it's kind of interesting. Like with uh, Capital One, there's a all these bank holidays that I didn't know existed and you know, <laughs> find like some more hobbies, right, for like IoT and, and things like that. Play with my kids more. I mentioned I often will ask somebody, if there's an Apple engineer, what would you wish for to be added to your technology? That's not going to work here but I'm going to turn it around. <laughs> you see, you are basically grand lead or two levels up. Hmm. I'm going to play the game of I am one of your ICs. I am one of your individual contributors and I've been working on it. I want to know what you and the leads are looking for if I'm hoping to advance, to be picked as a lead. Because it's that one question. You never ask your boss, what do I need to do to get a promotion? Mm-hmm. But this mm-hmm. is is your chance to just say, this is the kind of things, when you're in a larger company, I want to see out of my ICs that make me say, I want to give them more responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. I mean, I think, uh, you know, one of the things is just being really passionate about, you know, your work and the technology that, that you're using, right? 
So whether it's iOS or Android or web, like be looking at the new things and suggesting them. In the Android world, it's, it's Kotlin. It, it might be uh, like RX Swift in the iOS world and be kind of kind of championing those things, right? Because the industry doesn't just sit still. Just like your 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 uh, Twitter name, Janie. It's like <laughs> you kind of have to keep running in order to, you know, either even sit still, but, but hopefully advance. At the time of this recording, WWDC has just opened for registration. <laughs> everybody, everybody register quick. No, we don't want them to register. That'll make it easier for us to win. <laughs> By the time this airs, WWDC registration will be closed. That's right. That's right. Just to uh, recap here, you're hiring, you take junior engineers, and you'll be at our WDevCon. So now people will go, wait a minute, is that Louis? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's got some openings. Yeah. And I think we might have some flashlights to give out. Ooh. It's rare to actually get a good inside look at a big company. Having worked at Microsoft, it was stunning. And we often refer to drinking from the fire hose. But at the same time, you go home learning something new every day. And I was really, I, I think it's really awesome to give everybody this look in the, into the inner workings of what it's like to be doing mobile and other development at Capital One. Uh, Louis, I cannot thank you enough for your time. Cool. Yeah. I hope you all found it interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, Obviously, my boss probably doesn't find it interesting going, is Andre going to skip jobs now? No. <laughs> I might. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why my boss doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> I doesn't know anything about what I do. It was really great to have you on this season. It was good to hear about some of the open source things, some of the... Uh, some of the electronics earlier in the season. I'm glad we got a good look in here. And, you know, obviously this is the last show of the season, but, you know, as we come into another season, maybe we'll find some other stuff and we'll get you back in here. Yeah, sounds good. I'd be happy to be back. And then coming up on the second half of the show, we have got Razeware's Joe Howard here. And we are finally going to actually talk about this Android avalanche that's been popping up. The RayWenderlich.com podcast will be right back. But first, a message from our sponsor. RayWenderlich.com has been the best place to learn iOS development on the internet for a long time. Over eight years, in fact. I've been doing iOS programming since iOS programming was just go build a web app. Since discovering RayWenderlich.com, there is not a day that goes by that I don't learn something new. And now, the team at RayWenderlich.com is expanding in a big way into Android and Kotlin development with an avalanche of new Android and Kotlin books, courses, and screencasts. From March 19th to the 30th, you can get access to all the new Android and Kotlin books, courses, and screencasts at a massive 33% discount. If you've been thinking about moving your career ahead with Android and Kotlin development, this is definitely the time to do it. Head on over to store.raywenderlich.com to take advantage of their time-limited Android Avalanche sale, which ends March the 30th. In the second half of the show, we said we're going to bring in Razor's own Joe Howard. And I think one of the things is, um, you know, you listen to the podcast, you've probably been on Ray's site, you've done the tutorials, but I keep throwing this word Razor in. And that is the fact that Ray does so much, but there is this handful, I'd say maybe four pizza team of some amazing people who support Ray and put all of this together, they are the people who are behind the technical of uh, the RW DevCon, of getting the tutorials, of organizing all the wonderful talent who contribute to this environment. And, and Joe has just recently joined Raceware to help with uh, bringing more Android resources. So, Joe, I want to thank you for coming on the show on actually very short notice because we're just there's so much coming now from from Ray and Raceware from Android. So, first, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. 
So tell us a little about what you are doing now joining uh, the team. Sure. So I, I joined Razorware um, about six months ago in, in the fall of, of 2017. And I was brought on um, mainly to focus on building up the Android content for the site. That means both building up the, the Android tutorial team and the, the Android courses that we have and, and screencasts, et cetera. So that's kind of been the focus for the past six months. And right now we're really just trying to build a foundation uh, the you know the end goal is to try to get to the point where the the Android content is is equivalent in quality and, and quantity to the the iOS content. And of course, iOS has had about a seven or eight year head start. So on the Android side, uh, we've been doing tutorials for the past maybe three years or so, but the frequency hasn't you know hasn't been very high. It's been um, I think you know it started off about once a month and then uh, gradually got to a tutorial every every two weeks. In the past few few months, we've hit one one per week. So now we're we're doing one Android tutorial per week. The, you know the goal here is to you know, both now and, and, you know, the next, you know, few months or so, try to start matching the, the pace at which the iOS team produces content. Now, I, I think that I, this is accurate in saying that I think this is the first time on this iteration of the podcast that Andre and I have spoken to somebody about a tech that neither of us is really particularly familiar with. Like we've been like, we, we've kind of been remiss in, in mostly speaking to other iOS developers, but like between like Android and Unity, there's a lot of other technologies that are represented on Ray's site. So like, it's, I'm, I'm really happy that we're able to have somebody on that represents you know, a, a non-iOS specific point of view. Yes, Janie, you, you've tipped the, the hat of knowledge there in that while I had Mark Dalrymple in here and we went old school, I'm old school Apple, Apple all the way back. I, you know, I've touched Windows, I've touched a TRS-80, um, I, I've dabbled in Java and it's dabbled, but I've never really been in Somebody gave me an Android and the first thing I did was crash it. <laughs> it's good. Um, I, I have a lot of colleagues in my office who keep asking, is there more Android stuff? So so this, <laughs> be gentle with us because we're going to ask you as best questions as we can, but I'm really looking forward to having more Android on the show. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I, I started in iOS um, about, I don't know, almost nine years ago at this point, then gradually made the, sw- the shift uh, into doing both iOS and Android. So I, I did them both for uh, probably a good six years. And then uh, finally switched over to focusing on Android about two or three years ago. Uh, what prompted that? Like, how, how did you like decide that you wanted to do both, and how did you make kind of the decision to go from the thing that you'd primarily been working with to the thing you're working with now? You know, doing both iOS and, and Android has its advantages. Uh, there's not not a whole lot of people that that do both, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so. You know, you kind of provide a lot of flexibility. So I, I was doing consulting for six years. You know, it's kind of it's kind of good to be a switch hitter where, you know, depending on the needs of what the projects are, you know, you can do either one and provides a nice benefit to, to the company that you're working at. But at the same time, it is it is pretty rough. So, you know, I was working on, I, I say on average, a, a project for every six months I was doing an iOS app and an Android app and that kind of thing. And after a couple, maybe two or three years of that, it's a little, little wearying because the you know mobile world moves so fast that you know if you're focusing on iOS for six months, now you're six months behind on Android and, and you know, vice versa. So uh, it's, it's really great for a while, but, but then at some point it gets a little, little old. And then on top of that, you know, when I started on iOS, you know, I was doing Objective-C and learning Arc and that kind of thing. And then, and then Swift comes out. <laughs> so you know, you're doing both iOS and Android and you're trying to learn Swift. And then some, you know, eventually you're trying to learn Kotlin. And so just a lot of, a lot of things to juggle. So. so while most people were using Swift as a jumping on point, you, you pretty much timed well that Swift almost was a jumping off point. Yeah, in a way. Uh, they, I, so I've been to one WWDC and um, it was the one that Swift was announced. That was a really, really fun one to be at. I got a real feel for the, the excitement in the community for, for new language and definitely spent 
uh, a couple years learning Swift one and two. I think I, I kind of got out around the time Swift three was 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 announced. That that, that kind of thing. So yeah, you know, so I kind of personally got a little bit tired of, of going back and forth. Then you know another, another aspect of it was that there's a lot of demand in Android um, in the development community. You know, kind of given the given its size, uh, its, its user base. I don't really have any numbers on this, but I think the you know the number of iOS developers and Android developers in the U.S. is probably comparable. I think iOS had a head start in terms of you know like the App Store mm-hmm. and people developing you know companies developing iOS app, apps first. That's kind of the way it was for a long time, and in the past few years, Android's kind of caught up so that companies are, are just as interested in doing an Android app as they are an iOS app. Like I, I know um, four years ago when I was first got into programming that I was trying to learn both iOS and Android at the same time. And for me, like the reason I decided to focus on iOS was uh, partially because like the, the I think the only developer tool they had at the time was Eclipse. Right. And also hmm. when um, I started with iOS, like that was when Ray like had started to have like a really good stable of tutorials. And like he started, he had like the iOS 5 by tutorials iOS 6 and there was like new iOS tutorials constantly so like there was a lot of really good solid tutorial information specifically on iOS that made it a lot easier to get on board with that so like I can imagine that now that he's trying to, to ramp up that the Android stuff that there's going to be a comparable amount of, of good information out there for people who want to do Kotlin and Android. Yeah totally um, so you know one, one good thing that's happened in, in the Android world is um, Google released Android Studio three or four years ago and you know when I started on Android I, I was using Eclipse and worked with a lot of people that a lot of people that really loved Eclipse, but I never really got used to it that, that, that well. And then Android Studio came out and it's a really amazing tool. You know, when I would go back and forth, I would you know, really love Xcode while I, was, while I was using Xcode, but then I would kind of get sick of it. And then, um, you know, going into Android Studio, it's 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 a very powerful. And another aspect of that is um, Kotlin is is from the same people that you know, make Android Studio, uh, JetBrains. And so there's very tight integration between the the IDE and the language. And they're at version three of Android Studio now, and it's it's very mature and just you know really powerful. So it, you know, being able to kind of specialize in the in the tooling is another real real benefit of 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 shifting to to just one platform. And not not going back and forth, absolutely. So, as a person that's worked with both iOS and Android, one of my big questions that I have is like, I I've primarily worked with iOS, but I know that like people like there's probably like like pros and cons about working with either of them. So, like, what's something about Android that that is a lot easier to work with in Android than it is with like iOS? Like, what 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 is a, a thing that really like you know excites you about working with with Android that if you had to do it with iOS, you're just like, oh boy. <laughs> um, I mean, in terms of one thing that definitely was better for a while, I think I think Xcode and, and Swift to catching up but but refactoring was something that was a real problem we, you know in swift for a while and the you know the the uh, the android tooling always supported really strong refactoring so not a very exciting thing but you know something that you know if you don't have it you, you really miss it in terms of more exciting stuff i think you know just the fact that the the platform is is open source you know it kind of lends itself to a lot more possibility of kind of diving into the system and understanding it at a, at a deeper level you know in ios you're really you're you know you're really focusing on the user interface and and what the user is doing and you know how to you know make the best possible user experience on Android you have that but then you also have the ability to go in and and um, you know look at the operating system itself the the last project I did when I was consulting was a, like a year-long project where we were building a custom version of Android for a, a you know a 23 inch tablet hmm. mm-hmm. and so um, we had to you know basically learn how to how to compile compile the Android operating system itself and how to you know build drivers into it and um, and so that was that was really fun something that you really don't get a chance to do in, in iOS because everything's in the, in the in the seamless white box designed by Johnny Ive and 
and then you know, machine from aluminium. Exactly. And, you know, I, and I think of it in a lot of ways, it's, it's kind of similar to, you know, Linux and Windows versus Mac OS, where Mac OS is, is very user friendly and, and, and a very powerful in that way. But in, in Windows and especially something like Linux, you really get to kind of dive in and, and get to know the, the inner workings of the, of the software at a, at a deeper level. And it's, it's, it, to me, it's very similar with Android and iOS. One of the, the, the real good things, especially going into Razorware and bringing us all of the new uh, materials and resources coming from an iOS world, one of the big things, obviously, is going to be the ability to translate the, the concept of, well, if you've got iOS engineers coming to it the first time, or you've got new people coming to the first time, being able to put it in that same style that Ray's material really capitalizes well on. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, our, our focus um, in Android at the moment is, is kind of more beginner material. Um, we want to kind of lay a foundation of, of content. So we're, you know, we're going to, our initial video courses are all kind of beginner focused so that we have that foundation and we kind of refer people to, to previous courses, that kind of thing. Thing as we go along. We're also um, producing new screencasts. The screencasts will be more focused to intermediate and, and advanced developers. Uh, we're also doing two books. Um, the books, again, will be kind of more beginner focused at the moment. Down the road, we'll, we'll be able to work in more advanced content, things like the RX Swift book, things like that down the road too. So, but absolutely having it in the, the style that the, the site has been using for, for a number of years and been very successful with, with iOS is definitely, you know, one of our uh, main focuses. So I have kind of a, a dumb question. So like, like when I first started with iOS, I didn't realize the, the, the breadth of the Cocoa frameworks. Like I didn't realize you had things like core animation and core data and like health kit and all of these, these huge like toolboxes full of all of these native frameworks that uh, gave you a lot of functionality with iOS. Like, does Android have a uh, similar, like, like stable of um, frameworks and to and things in their toolbox? Yeah, yeah, it's certainly. I mean, you have the whole Android SDK, um, which you know is you know I would compare roughly to Cocoa in terms of its size and and the kind of things that you do with it. Um, but then on top of that, you have you know all of the, the Java libraries that you have access to. So there's a whole mm. you know whole slew of of, of you know Java tools and libraries that you might need to you know pull into a project and then something like you know now you start using Kotlin Kotlin has a standard library of its own so you have to kind of get familiar with the whole standard library in Kotlin. So absolutely, there's definitely a, a, a breadth of of materials that you need to be familiar with as you as you dive into Android. Mm-hmm. And, and so what we're trying to do uh, with this new content in Android is is mainly focus on the basics, the things that you would need to know in order to say you know get a job as an Android developer. So you know our hope is that the, the content that we're launching with, if you if you go through all of it, you could go from being you know someone who doesn't even program, and then you know by your by the time you're done, you're 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 ready to to you know build an Android app and, and potentially get a job as an Android developer. You, you actually raised a, a question I I've, I wonder about here as an iOS developer, as somebody who's done iOS strictly for the past few years. If I'm looking to go into Android. Is there a process where I might have to unlearn conceptually to be comfortable in the Android world? When I did old Mac programming, it was all event loop driven, and then we moved to MVC, and there was a lot of unlearning certain practices. And and you are especially a good resource for this, having lived in the iOS world and made that jump to Android. Can you talk about conceptually differences that you have to say... That doesn't work this way in Android. Just maybe, maybe a couple of really mm-hmm. quick basics. Yeah, there, there definitely are, are differences, but uh, to, you know, to me, the similarities are much stronger than the differences. So, you know, a mobile app is it's really a client server 
app, right? And, and the app is the client. You know, in, in any given mobile app, you're, you're doing the same things. You're, you're talking to a REST API, you're pulling data, you're persisting the data on the device, and you're dealing things with like lifecycle of, of the app, the user backgrounds the app, a phone call comes in, that kind of thing. To me, mobile apps on both platforms, especially from the development perspective, they're, they're so similar that there's really not a whole lot of things that you'd have to forget going back and forth between the two platforms. And also, I know last week, uh, the last episode, you, you talked about MBVM. So if you, if you stay kind of on the cutting edge, especially if you're if you're using Swift in the iOS world, using Kotlin and uh, you know in Android, and you're using a pattern say like MVVM on both platforms, then so much of what you do in developing an app for either platform is going to be so similar that it's it's it can be really seamless in going back and forth between the two. So I think if you, especially you know at, at this point in time, if you if you you know, stick to Swift at Kotlin, you do do a pattern like MVVM, then, you know, you're going to feel very comfortable going back and forth between the two. I mean, I, I learned Android for for fun um, a while back, and it actually turned into an interesting niche. Um, before go- coming to Capital One, I would work for companies that um, would build an iOS app and then realize that, you know, half half the world uses Android. And so right, I, right. I understood both and was happy to do both. I, I think like some of the some of the things that I ran into was just, like you said, like with lifecycle, just understanding some of those lifecycle differences because there's just like some slight things that are different. And then uh, in terms of kind of how like the whole thing is put together, like navigation controllers versus like putting activities on like, you know, kind of like the stack, just kind of understanding that I think w- was, was the key. But then like Joe was saying, like, a lot of it is very similar, you know, and it's just getting comfortable with like, you know, the tools and the supporting libraries. I'm hoping actually that with uh, like Rx Swift, Rx uh, Java, etc., that we actually have more, even more common uh, commonality between the two platforms. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you kind of stick to to design patterns, and you know. You think of something like Rx Swift or Rx Java as a as a pattern. They're they're so similar in their their usage that you know it really will help you to go back and forth between the two. And you know you mentioned uh, lifecycle. Lifecycle's historically been a really really bad bad problem on Android. I'd say it's definitely been harder to deal with on Android than than iOS. But Google's been making some improvements there. They've released a, a set of components called the Android Architecture Components that, mm-hmm. that really help out, help out a lot in terms of making dealing with lifecycle on Android um, not not as painful as it used to be. So and another another aspect of it is that. Both platforms are so mature now, and they've been going back and forth for so many years, you know, effectively copying each other. So, you know, like the one one big difference with Android was the the back button, right? It mm-hmm. had a back button, and iOS didn't have a back button. But now iOS has like up in the upper left, they have the you know those kind of the back controls that you can go back to you know the screen you were on before. So so the you know even the user patterns are they're kind of converging in some sense. So that kind of helps out in terms of you know dealing with things like usability and UX and you know working with designers who you know you know most designers at many consulting shops or even at a big company like Capital One, they, you know, they're, they're probably designing both iOS and Android apps. And they're, you know, they're familiar with iOS design patterns and material design on Android. And so I think, you know, as, as time's gone on here, it's, you know, and, and the, two, the two platforms have com- competed with each other. It's, it's definitely helped out a lot as, as a developer. You know, like, you know, Apple releases Swift and then, you know, a couple of years later, you know, Google makes the move and adopts Kotlin and that kind of thing. So it's, um, it's been really helpful. Like, I, I think it's kind of crazy that like you as an Android developer have to support like, I don't like seven different versions of the operating system like like me as an ios developer it's like oh gosh darn it, i still have to support you like ios 10 along with ios 11 dude like this is just crap and like like it's just it's crazy to me that it's like oh yeah we have to support like seven of them it's like how do you do that so it's it's true but but um i think google kind of you know saw that that 
problem coming a, a while back. And so they, they've, they've produced what are called the support libraries. And um, the support libraries make it, make it pretty, pretty easy to, to deal with the fact that you're, you're supporting back to a, you know, version, you know, five or six versions ago. Uh, so, you know, when you're building an app, you, you pick what the minimum version of Android is that you're going to support. And then the support libraries that they've, they've given you, they make it, you know, you know pretty easy. You, you really don't have to think of that think about it that much as long as you're kind of you know programming the app in the, in the way that Google recommends you don't have to think about it too much so it's 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 very different than iOS where you know you're 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 you can kind of count on the fact that the users are, are all upgrading and you can take the latest and greatest stuff. It's the relentless march forward. <laughs> totally. But Google's gotten really practiced now, I think, at um, when they release new features right away, they're, they're in the support library. So you can use them mm-hmm. right away and they'll be available on, you know, Android 8, Android P, whatever that ends up being called. And, um, you know, going back to something like Android 4.4, roughly. So we're taping on the 14th. We're going to be airing probably about the we should air on the, I think, the 27th. Can you give us an idea of some of what's going to be dropping in the next week or two? Yeah, absolutely. I realize, of course, that we are we are also on the verge of, of RW DevCon, so there, who knows what may drop there. If you haven't been to RW DevCon and you are going, every now and then there are a couple of surprises. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there will be, for sure. So um, what, what we're dropping in the next uh, week or so is is uh, more Android-focused. So uh, we're doing a, a release called the Android Avalanche. And as part of the Android Avalanche, we're releasing... Uh, basically three types of items. We're releasing uh, a whole new set of video courses that are for Android uh, that are, again, beginner focused. They're uh, meant to take you from a beginning Android developer all the way up to someone who could you know, do full-time Android programming. We are uh, starting to, to release Android screencasts that will be uh, more advanced focused. And we're um, releasing our first two Android books, the Android Apprentice and the Kotlin Apprentice. We have video courses, screencasts, and books, and really they're just the beginning. This is the the beginning of our real push into Android. Uh, we're going to start uh, accelerating our our team growth, and again trying to get to the point where when people think of Android tutorials, they think of ArrayWinterLook.com. And of course, that's one of the reasons we have you here because while we're finishing up this season, which was a lot of iOS predominantly, it's good to know that as we kick off next season, that we are absolutely going to be bringing in people from the Android team, a lot of more Android stuff. It's going to make the rest of us sort of have to keep up as well. But, you know, it's always moving. Got to keep learning as fast as you can just to stay in one place. So we we will definitely be looking at it. It's fun because, uh, as I said, we're recording this before the avalanche. And by the time this airs, the avalanche will be beginning to hit everybody's laps. And this will hopefully get them really interested in it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, we look forward to next season and getting you know a bunch of people on the Android team to, to hopefully come out. And, and uh, we should have some really great stuff to talk about. Joe, I, I really thank you for, for giving all the Android information. And uh, as I said, this is sort of a, a teaser for, for next season. We, we want to get more people on. And uh, we're going to be uh, at RW DevCon if if you're attending, you're going to get to meet Janie, myself, and a lot of the people who were, have been on this season. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. We even probably will be doing a little bit of recording there for a sort of a mid-between season show. We'll be looking for who we want to talk to in the next season. Android, iOS, we're going to do more with Unity, a lot with the games. And I think it, it's going to be a lot of fun. But unfortunately, this is going to close things up for season seven. And I do want to thank Louis de la Rosa. I just like saying your name because I'm <laughs> silly that way. I hope you don't mind. No, no, it's fine. Uh, 
Have fun with uh, it. I want to thank Joe Howard. I want to thank you for your time. Janie, this season couldn't have happened without you. And 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 I was I've been glad to work with you all season long, and um, it's rather ironic. I have a timer on the lights in my room, and as I'm saying this, the lights in my room are getting darker. So that will wrap things up for season seven of the Ray Winderlich podcast. Thank you all for listening. Please, if you have tickets, get to RW DevCon and have a great time. Look for us all there, and we'll see you a few weeks after that on season eight. But in the meantime, back to you, Ray. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes. See you next time.